Podstarter. Every podcast starts somewhere. Welcome to Podstarter. Reese, you just had a uh, conversation with uh, Greg Hemmings from uh, Boiling Point. So I, I know Greg through, I've done some some work with him and his film company, but Greg has been one of those people who was very early to the podcast game. He started podcasting about six years ago and was doing it in a way that... Um, uh, was raising the, his profile professionally was very much kind of in that realm of thought leadership so he was he he kind of started that way before um years and years before many people are doing it now in the podcast realm the show is called uh, the boiling point podcast and he has a co-host called dave veal who's uh, an executive coach um and the uh, the show is basically them talking to people who share a very similar approach, uh, a similar outlook on business to them, which is very much driven by the the B Corp world. Yeah, it's I'm a fan of Greg. I, I've known him for years as well, and I think it's fantastic on on what he does. He's a content creator, but focused on the craft. For them to be a B Corp in the podcast space, it seems to be a natural fit. When we think about a podcast, it's usually driven by community. Greg's expectation in this space is probably a little bit different than some of the other conversations that you've had. Yeah. And, and he's like a lot of other people. He, he wanted to use the podcast as an excuse to speak to people he admired. And that was his kind of main goal, I think, at the start was to, to kind of talk in that space, but then also connect and network with people and really kind of saw an opportunity from that point of view with guests in a very early, early kind of step. So he, he's a very forward thinking uh, you know, six years ahead of the curve in, in many ways. What a, what a unique idea, actually. And it, it's common. We've talked to a couple of podcasters who they actually have conversations with people that they admire. And it's easier to reach out and have those dialogues when you're doing it under the structure of a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. All right. So uh, let's flip into it. Uh, looking forward to hearing you have a conversation with Greg Hemmings from uh, the Boiling Point podcast. Podstarter. Every podcast starts somewhere. Uh, with me today is Greg Hemmings. Uh, you're someone who has really kind of uh, taken podcasting and run away with it and done something quite interesting in terms of talking about something that you're really passionate about with a boiling point with, with also the co-host. So could you introduce yourself for us? Yeah, thanks, Reese. Uh, yeah, so uh, by trade, I'm a filmmaker, and I would say that I'm an entrepreneur first before I was a filmmaker, and I, I own a, uh, a television and commercial production company. Uh, but also on the kind of on the spare time, <laughs> we've got the Boiling Point podcast, and uh, I'll go into the history of it a little bit later on. But uh, it's uh, I've been able to use the the, the platform of podcasting as an incredible way to meet people that I've wanted to meet and have really in-depth conversations with them. And the uh, unintended impact of that is really um, an acceleration of that position of thought leadership. You know, the more imprints that we have, digital imprints out in the World Wide Web, uh, the better. If we're serving up content that other people want to hear, it can really help us in our own entrepreneurial journeys. So that's the phenomenon that I'm really excited about uh, with with our podcast journey so far. So the, the, the boiling point is talking up to inspirational business people who are doing things the right way, either through sustainability or just 
being nice, you know, business in a nice way, which is which I know is what you're famous for, really, isn't it? And and you're it's kind of you're you're like famous for being nice, yeah, yeah. you know, a business leader, but also you 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 know you you really subscribe to the B Corp um, ideals. So tell us a bit about the. I I think I can see the through line from your company being a B Corp and the 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 goals of the boiling point. Um, podcast. So could, could you just tell us a bit about um, for our audience what a B Corp is and, and how that relates to the show? Oh, yeah, sure. So um, a B Corp is a certification uh, similar to, let's say, fair trade or organic or lead architecture. It's a straight up uh, certification uh, that businesses apply for and have to get recertified every three years uh, through a stringent audit process. And it's a, a certification that proves that your company is building uh, itself based on the measurement of the triple bottom line. Most companies um, throughout history have been built on on measuring one bottom line, which is profit. The B Corp movement is really uh, pushing the agenda to make sure that the people and the planet are also measured on your balance sheet. So sure, you can make a lot of money, and you celebrate that uh, at the end of the year through your balance sheet, and you realize that your bottom line did well, or maybe it didn't. But how did how did the environment fare in you making your money? Did you, uh, how much carbon did you produce? Uh, uh, were you extracting different resources that that otherwise wouldn't have been taken out of the ground? As an example, and how did humanity uh, fare by the you know as a result of your product being sold? So. Um, a lot, there's a lot of greenwashing out there in the world, Reese, as you know, in uh, in corporate uh, messaging. Yeah. And if you see a company that says, yes, we're green and we're sustainable and we are doing business for the right reason, uh, and if they are B Corp certified, you can pretty much guarantee that they are living to what they're preaching because the auditing system is so precise and, and uh, deep. Uh, so that's what the B Corp world is. And for me, as a company that is very vision and values driven, um, it's just a real awesome network to connect with other people around the world, other entrepreneurs who have decided to become B Corps. Uh, you know, and there's some some biggies too, like Ben and Jerry's and Patagonia, Etsy, Danone. Uh, there's so many great uh, large companies who have uh, taken the plunge and have committed to the triple bottom line, but also this network of really forward-thinking progressive entrepreneurs and CEOs who who care about building a business for different reasons. So that's myself with Hemmings House. Now, my co-host, Dave Vale, who is an incredible guy, um, I met him because he was my first executive coach. Um, he His company uh, is very B Corp-ish. He's not a certified B Corp, but he's learned a lot about the B Corp world through the podcast because everybody I bring on seems to be a B Corp. <laughs> you know, so, um, that's nice. He's got his own kind of journey developing through, as the show's started. As a result that. of the podcast. That's nice. And and just as a quick aside, Reese, it's really neat, um, Dave, because all the guests that I've been bringing on have been really, you know, talking about using their businesses as a force for good. Um, it led Dave down this questioning period about, well, what do I do with vision coaching that can give back, you know? And he came up with this idea called the Million Dollar Pledge as a result of the podcast. And what the Million Dollar Pledge is, is he wanted to find out if 10 other CEOs, and we're up to 12 now, by the way, if if, uh, if uh, 10 plus CEOs would commit to $10,000 a year for 10 years, and every single year give 100 grand to an initiative uh, in our community that, that, we, uh, that we support, and uh, we would do it through the United Way. So Dave came up with this amazing idea, and within a few weeks, 
uh, he uh, and to a certain extent me, because I, I was one of the first in, um, were able to attract uh, 12 businesses. So we were able to, in our first year, give $120,000 to support a literacy program in a uh, in a very vulnerable community in the province of New Brunswick, a place called Milltown Elementary. And we gave it to this uh, program that is really focused on metrics and measured results, you know, uh, of the change. And uh, we just got the report back and that $120,000 made incredible impact in that community. Uh, And all these business people get to see the results. So I'm saying all this uh, as a neat side effect about just the fact that we decided to have a podcast together for the last five, six years it's actually helped us change the way we show up in our community. So that's pretty cool. That's amazing. And, and also you, you do seem to have quite a passionate following. Um, I was just checking out some of the reviews and um, the kind of response you get. It seems like people really buy into to what you're doing in, in, and kind of get it. Oh, well, thanks, Reese. I, 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 I love hearing the nice thing. I, I haven't heard that a lot, so I, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, the neat thing is we uh, – We've been sharing these stories for five or six years, and when we started, really nobody else was talking about these these uh, topics. Now there's a number of uh, uh, B Corpish uh, podcasts, uh, many of which I've been, uh, you know, kind of coaching and, and helping them with. Uh, but how cool is that too? It's like uh, this message is spreading, and there's other podcasters who are really focusing on it too. You created a genre. <laughs> what, what, what should we call it? The the, the, the uh, nicest business uh, genre in yeah, podcast. The nice genre, exactly. <laughs> it sits in between horror and true crime. You've got nice, right? <laughs> nice business. Nice business. <laughs> a nice business. I like it. <laughs> so, um, so when did you first come up with the idea of having a podcast in the first place? Well, that's a really interesting question because I would say. Oh, geez. Okay. So Dave, my, my co-host, um, was my business coach way back. And I'm talking, uh, it was 2006 when we started working together. That's when I started my business and he started his business. Shortly after, let's say 2008, I, um, I got, I, I did a little bit of video work, um, with him and it was a, a film called the airplane journals that, that we, that we shot during our first year of him coaching me. And uh, we made a film about coaching, about executive coaching. I went all around the world filming coaches of all sorts, piano coaches, sports coaches, acting coaches. And um, for the narration, because I was the, the lead, I put myself into a voiceover booth and we filmed me doing the narration and I used the word podcast. So this would have been back in like, I think it was 2007. And I said, um, so as the narrator that you were watching on screen in the film, I was like, uh, you know, welcome, welcome to the podcast. We're talking to, you know, what we're talking about this, this concept of coaching. And as I look back today, I'm like, how the heck did I even know what a podcast was back then? Because <laughs> really, <laughs> no, well, clearly I did, but I, um, you know, podcasting was so much in its infancy back then. So let's fast forward to about six years ago. So that, that was probably 15 years ago at the beginning. I might not be doing my math right. But um, and then six years ago, Dave and I were having a beer and we, we, we didn't get to see each other very much. And uh, we're like, geez, that was so fun making that documentary years ago. What should we do next? And then I said, well, we should make a podcast. And he said these words, what is a podcast? And that was only <laughs> six years ago. Think about that. It was only six years ago. So six years ago, like the average person didn't know what a podcast was. So 
I had just returned from the New Media Expo, NMX, which used to be called Blogger World. I was in Vegas. That's a, it was that sounds a like a very old name now, Blogger World. Oh, Blogger World. Later. Yeah, and they, cha- they changed the name to NMX because yeah, yeah. the blogger, the blog sphere <laughs> changed. And uh, the main focus was podcasting. And back then, like all the heavy hitters, like, uh, you know, Entrepreneur on Fire was there. And uh, there's all these amazing like uh, pre-Joe Rogan, uh, pre-Tim Ferriss uh, podcast legends that were there. And um, I really got hooked in because I learned some really interesting stats while I was at that conference that really podcasting was new enough that if you grabbed a topic early enough, you could be the first one talking about it. And I was like, yeah, that's great. So that was one check. Uh, And two, they gave us some really neat stats because I come from the video and film world, but they were saying straight up, Audio, in most cases, uh, allows you to have a captive audience because you are typically speaking into the ears of somebody as they're mowing the lawn, they're at the gym, they're driving in their car, they're on the subway, they're doing something on their own, they've got your, uh, you've got their full attention. Video, how many people have the time to sit down and actually watch a whole video? Forget it. It's not going to happen. I can't believe I'm saying that because I'm a filmmaker. And I yeah, me too. Stuff. So, you know. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. No, people just don't have the time to, because when you're doing audio, you can do a bunch of other things at the same time. When you're doing video, you need all your attention. So there's a great function for video, but audio, I was like, this is another way to connect with people as a storyteller that, uh, that I can actually share other concepts and ideas. So I brought this idea back to Dave and he goes, I've got no idea what the podcast is, but I'm in. And, uh, because we're a film company, I had all the right microphones and all this stuff. And we, uh, we started in our in our VO booth, which is um, probably one quarter the size of a Dalek. Um, I'm, I'm giving that to my, my, my British friend I'm talking to right That's now. That's how we measure things um, in the UK. So, uh, or probably half the size of a British uh, phone booth. Uh, and it was so hot uh, in that booth. And we were there. We would do – we'd ba- and we still do this. We'd batch record four or five episodes at a time. So that would be – and there were 30 to 40 minutes each. So we'd be in that little closet for four or five hours uh, – once a month and it got so hot and there's no oxygen in it. And we had, we had no name for the podcast for the first three episodes until David Alston came on and David was like, okay, because three, three large men in this little closet. And he was like, geez, guys, this uh, really hit the boiling point here. Like, should we stop this interview? <laughs> and we're like, bam, that's the name of the podcast. So I think that was episode two or three on, on the boiling point. If anybody wants to go look and listen, boilingpointpodcast.com. Uh, and that's where we got the name. And uh, we're like, yeah, that's great. Because it reminds me of Tipping Point as well, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, we're, we're, and also, also, yeah. also, like, if you think if other podcasters did that, there'd be a ton of podcasts called Under the Duvet or In the Closet <laughs> as well. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. It's so true. Yeah, yeah, that is so. So, how many people do that? Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, so, what did you find hard about the process of getting started? Was there anything that really surprised you, or did you make any mistakes? Well, um, I was very fortunate because um, a friend of mine named Matt Weber out of Halifax, um, he was going to King's College, and um, he was able to do. Jeez, uh, I felt like it was half a year or semester uh, internship with Hemings House. And when he came, it was exactly this time. So I was like, Matt, this is your project. Let's figure out how to make a podcast. And um, Matt's a super smart guy. And he quickly learned about Libsyn, which is what we use. I don't know what you use for your uh, your aggregator, but we use Libsyn. Yeah, we're Libsyn too. That. Okay, that's great. And then, uh, of course, we got the, he set up the iTunes account. And so he got to do all that heavy lifting, the setup for us. Um, and then he ended up producing The Boiling Point for probably four years after that. 
um, which was awesome. And uh, uh, so technically, I was very fortunate to have somebody else kind of wade through the early days, the workflow or the content flow. Um, for the production studio, we had we've had a number of different setups, <clears throat> and uh, I would say we've we really didn't have too many hiccups because we had two microphones in the booth right for two people and then we had a phone patch and we were just going into one of those little uh you know four track i can't remember which recorder we used but it had like four xlr inputs and one of them would be you know uh an input with a with uh coming from a telephone so eighth inch recorder and then we had on the output of this little machine this little recording machine we somehow were able to get the voice voices of us back to the guest and then also everybody back into our ears. I don't really know how that works, but <laughs> it does. And, and uh, um, so, yeah, it, it's been pretty, it's a simple setup. So then, and, and for me, I guess it's the time. So I we, we built a team around it. And once the file is created, it gets uploaded to uh, another awesome person who, jean who ends up, uh, you know, getting it all set up to send up to Facebook and LinkedIn and our, we got an emailer and all that stuff. So that would be very difficult for me to do, not technically, but just finding the time because it's a lot of work. Um, so that's, uh, so we, yeah, we didn't have too many hiccups to be honest with you. And really it's just about how much time you want to put into it. It sounds like you, like you got around many of the issues that a lot of people do by just finding the right people to work with. Well, the, the other interesting thing is the, the team, um, none of them had any experience at all in this, and but we all learned together quickly, and they're all smart. And uh, yeah, and because it was so early on when we started this journey, um, we probably hacked our way through without like there was no user manual to how to set up a podcast at that point. <laughs> you know? No, no, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so did you did you have a really good idea in your head about who your audience was? Um, you obviously move in, in, in the B Corp circles and you maybe had a good idea that of, of what you wanted to talk about and who you wanted to talk to, but did it mm. seem tangible at the time? Well, no, because Dave was in coaching and I'm in film. So the the first thing that we came up with, like, what do we have that's similar? And the two of us also both at the time were writing weekly uh, columns in our provincial newspaper, had been doing that for years. Um, he interviews people as a coach. I interview people as a filmmaker. You know, so we were like, it feels like we're both in the storytelling business and we're both, we both have to interview people as part of our, our job, you know? Um and we're like, why don't we try interviewing people? And we're like, okay, well, what type of people do I interview? Well, his column was all about uh, interviewing business leaders. And my customers are business leaders. And I was like, oh, geez, well, why don't we start there? So it, it wasn't very niche. It was very open. Like, But it was – our tagline is uh, – uh, the boiling point uh, um, it interviews with the ever evolving entrepreneur, change makers, and artists. So it's we really just want to interview cool people doing interesting things. You know, it didn't have to be career based or entrepreneurship based. But um, as time went on, it really got focused on business as as a uh, force for good and using your business for impact and leadership. And uh, if you go to our website, you can kind of see how we've quadranted out all of our themes from, uh, you know, health and wellness to uh, impact to, you know, marketing, you know, th things like this. And um, yeah, so we're still very generalist. We're, we're, we're not that niche. 
I would say our niche would be we have a lot of interviews with B Corp and B Corpish type of uh, type of entrepreneurs. But outside of that, it's just a fun platform to hear about other people's entrepreneurial journeys. How do you find having a, a co-host? Because um, when people are starting out with a podcast, you know, sometimes they're on their own or they're trying to assemble the right chemistry or you know bring in some of the voices just just to just to give it an extra layer of richness so um how did you how did you know that dave would be the right guy for for doing this with you and how did you know that you would have the right chemistry to do this well of course very good question and the um quick answer is i was not thinking about ever doing a podcast until we had that beer and he was like we should do something cool together and i was like oh okay well uh, i i know a little bit about podcasts you want to try that um and the other thing is because he's a coach, um, I knew he'd be a very strong interviewer, uh, which he is. He asks some very, really great questions. Uh, and in fact, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard this through our episodes, um, we tally every time a guest says, oh, good question. Like I just did to you a minute ago. <laughs> and sometimes you'll, you'll hear an audible, oh, or a yes, uh, when someone says, oh, good question, Dave. Or good question, uh, Greg. You should have like an air horn or something just to mark it off. Well, we—it's so funny because I think the audience started to catch on, <laughs> on it. But uh, we actually, uh, we actually have a little bit of a competition going. I think Dave's winning. When Seth Godin, uh, when we interviewed Seth, and he—he's—he told Dave that he had a good question. Uh, it broke my heart. I was like, oh, I should have had the good question from Seth. <laughs> <laughs> the chemistry's been always good with us because um, he's smart and he asks really good questions. Um, I also, because he's a coach as well, we both need to be held accountable. If you're doing something on your own, it's easy to quit. You know, if you've got a partner, you uh, you feel like you don't want to let the, the partner down and you keep going, right? There's a million reasons, a million times why we should not have been going this many years, but we keep doing it. And, and also uh, when one of you is kind of feeling low and you might not have the same enthusiasm, the other person can channel a bit of theirs and vice versa. And Yeah, and even in a period of half an hour, like a half hour interview, energies go up and down and it's it's good to take a break sometimes you'll take a mental break because the other person's deep into a conversation and then sometimes you'll lose track of where the conversation <laughs> can happen but uh we have lots of coffee as well while we're doing it yeah <laughs> so um at what point did you kind of realize that people were responding to the show did it did it take a long time or was that kind of a an instantaneous thing it, it was pretty instant that we started getting listeners because we we we're always measuring our stats, you know, and it's been a very slow burn, but you know, it's uh, we're in a good place. And uh, but I knew it started to work when probably in year two, um, Workopolis uh, ranked us as one of the top three best business podcasts to listen to, and then um, then the Dragons Den did the same thing, one of the top five uh, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship podcasts that you must listen to. And then in St. John, we've got Huddle Huddle uh, today. They they put us on a list of of, of top Atlantic podcasts, and uh, that was in year two, and or maybe two three or something. And uh, I was like, oh, that's cool. Someone's actually listening. But then in close to year four, we've we've stopped lining up guests. Like we just have so many people on our list that just keep calling us to be on the show, and um, so we just have to put them on the list. And you know. We go down the list. So we like we've got agents calling us like all the time, trying to get their people they rep on. And we used to just say yes to everybody, but now we're at the point where like we've got the list is too long. So we now have some criteria to get on. So uh, so that means people are listening. If they're not listening, 
they're paying attention. They, they, somebody thinks people are listening because <laughs> they're calling us. So you position the podcast in a way that you now have these leading people in the industry actively courting you to, to be on the show. Um, how has that affected the um, entrepreneurial side of your life in terms of the businesses for both you and Dave? Yeah, it's really interesting because I think there's two different impacts. For Dave, I think he's actually he could actually point to a number of actual business engagements as a direct result of the podcast. For me, in my constant um, uh, need to elevate the brand of my company, Hemmings House, I think it's done great things. Uh, it's also increased my network because every time I go to a conference and I meet really neat people, it's way easier to invite them to be on my podcast than to just do a follow-up email. It's not like, hi, and you're trying to sell yourself. It's like, this has been an interesting conversation. You should be on my podcast. And like, of course. No, 100%. I'm like, hey, you you fit the criteria for my podcast. So I, I find as a relationship builder, it's been really impactful for, for Hemming's House. Um, and who knows? Maybe we've gotten – like the, the brand building stuff, it's tough to really pinpoint. For example, for over 10 years, I was writing that article in the newspaper. Um I've been blogging for many, many years, podcasting, public speaking, putting on events, you know, all the workshops, all this stuff. And somewhere in there, the brand of my company is stays in someone's memory to say, oh, well, I should hire them for our next TV commercial, right? So I, I, I can't say if it's the podcast or if it's any of the other elements. Um, but it's interesting, Reese, because when Dave and I – decided a year ago, like, what do we got to do for 2.0 of Boiling Point? Uh, we decided to start putting on some events, which we just finished one in Moncton, New Brunswick, uh, a few weeks ago. And we, we did our first one a year ago. And bo both times in, these, in this format, um, sold out crowds, where we actually have a full day long session. Always kept the tickets relatively affordable, like 100 bucks, and your lunch comes with it. And um, we'd set the podcast booth up, up on the stage. And we and the whole thing was all about how to be heard in a noisy market. So very much a marketing focus, but we would use local experts as our podcast guests on stage to give their perspective on being heard on a noisy market. So it was very much a content marketing driven workshop based on what Dave and I have learned as being podcasters. So really cool. So we've been able to find or, you know, we've piloted a few times. We've done probably three other events in between smaller kind of for higher events that we realize that people are hungry to learn from not from podcasters per se, but from the network that the podcasters have. So we've been able to bring a real strong network of people into a live audience where we actually tape our, our episodes live. Um, and we'll be releasing those ones in the new year at boilingpointpodcast.com. But uh, it's been really neat because I wouldn't have thought about how important content marketing is until I got a number of years in with podcasting. That's, that's amazing. And I, I think there's also having that live record element of the event. I think that adds an interesting dimension for people as well. They feel like they're part of something. There's an excitement to, to be in a live recording that you don't always uh, get in, in other situations. Exactly. Exactly. And it's a workshop based. So, People are in the audience have a microphone. They're asking questions back and forth. You know, it's yeah, it's a cool format. So that's an that's just an, another neat side effect of having a podcast. Is well, you know what? People will actually show up live <laughs> if, if you put it out there. Now, it's it's definitely a hustle to advertise your own events, but it's um, we've proven that there that people want to do it. 
And we've proven as well that we can deliver high quality uh, in-person experiences. Now, you've obviously blazed a trail and achieved lots of things with this podcast, but what, what for you is the, the personal achievement? Well, I, I just think being practiced as an interviewer just makes you a better communicator, you know, in all in all aspects. And you and I are both film editors or video editors. And um, I, uh, I feel that as a, when you are an editor of video or audio, you can actually become a stronger communicator in person and vice versa. If you are communicating like on a podcast, I feel that you can edit your questions. You can pre-edit them, you know, like um, you don't waste time. You know, so I, I think I've become a better communicator uh, in that regard. Plus, I've been able to meet some of my heroes, like interviewing Chris Highfield, you know, the commander uh, of the International Space Station. Like, that was pretty cool. And Seth Godin and, you know, Heather Moyes from you know, our uh, Olymp- Olympian from Prince Edward Island. Like, there's all these really cool people I've been able to, to meet and have continued relationships with. So what piece of advice would you give to someone who was maybe um, thinking of going down that route of, of using a podcast to, to build something along the path that you have? Well, the best advice is really getting a team around you. Um, and if you can't get a team around you, um, just take it slow, I guess. Um, there's a lot of ways that, like you don't need to go robust. Like, like what I was saying, I've got an email list, we've got all the social outlets like that takes time. Like, don't worry about getting all that set up. I'd say just get your episodes up and probably, you know, I just like you, Reese, we went through the proper channels through Libsyn and getting up to iTunes and Stitcher and all this. But the easiest way to do this is just uploading to, to SoundCloud. You know, if you want to test it um, without spending lots of money, you know, not lots, but without, you know, much upfront costs, I'd say get a few episodes out uh, by yourself, put them up on SoundCloud, share them on Facebook, get people's impact or uh, response, ask them for feedback and tweak it accordingly. And then if you think you've got something that people will commit to, um, then invest in the right gear, invest in the right uh, workflow and give her. You've, you've quite subtly been able to plug your website and everything all the way through I'm, this I'm interview. Very, I'm very good. You should be a politician. So anyway, um, if you would like to, <laughs> it, uh, is there anything else apart from the boilingpoint.com? What else would you like to to promote or would you like to plug uh, to say thanks for being on the show? Yeah, well, thanks, Reese. Um, definitely, ch- if, if people could you know, check out our website, hemmingshouse.com. Um, but also, what I, you know, a real ask that I'm really excited for is We've been making films for almost 20 years and videos and commercials and documentaries, and we've never grown our YouTube. We've never tried. Um, so now that I figured out podcasting, uh, you know, we, 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 we produce films for other people to put on their YouTubes, but Hemingsos really hasn't. So I just started putting energy into the Hemingsos uh, YouTube and uh, just look up Hemings House on YouTube. And if you could subscribe, my first little... Um, project there is called the ragged reno and i shot the whole thing on my iphone so this is my personal first attempt at doing a video blog like a vlog and um it's lo-fi uh it's a story of my my family and i as we build our new house and um i wanted to do it so we could prove to our customers that hey if you can't afford the big dollars it, it takes to hire hemming to do your videos just do it yourself 
right? Start yourself. Just start rolling that camera and start making your own videos. Eventually, you're going to, get to, you're going to, get to a point where you're going to need to hire us, but get started so you can understand the process. Um, so if your listeners can uh, check out the Hemings House YouTube channel, that'd be a lot of fun. Cool. Thank you. Thanks so much for being on the show. Reese, you are a superstar. Visit podstarter.io to find out how we can help you build the podcast you and your audience needs. To listen to more episodes, search Podstarter wherever you find your podcasts or visit our website. You can also find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Podstarter is produced in Nova Scotia, Canada by podstarter.io.